0: This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning. good morning. Hey, that's better. All right. So last week, uh, we started the look in Colossians. Uh, We're going to go verse by verse. We are not, however, going to go sentence by sentence. Last week was one sentence. This week's text is one sentence. Uh, We will pick up a a bit of a quicker pace, but Paul is kind of known for very, very long sentences. So uh, I'll quickly review what we looked at last week and then jump into today's text. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we looked at last week. A whole lot of backstory on Colossians, backstory on Paul and Timothy and their relationship. Uh, And then today we kind of get into the start of the message of Colossians. So verse 3 through 8 is where we'll be today. So verse 3, we give thanks to God and to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... ...of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. As you, learned, uh, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit... In the spirit and then you see a, a period. Yes. So, I dare you to read through Paul's writings and not breathe until you see a period. It is a great breathing exercise. So uh, it's just these very, very long sentences. And this is one of the things that that kind of pushes people away from reading Paul sometimes because it can be very awkward sentence structures because you're carrying a thought all the way through. Um, It's one of the reasons you'll see people when they study Paul will diagram out the sentences. They'll say, this section goes here, and he kind of puts it on pause, and then you got these clauses that support this, and... And they're good, but they're not really continuing the theme of the larger uh, sentence. So sometimes diagramming these things out help a bit. So uh, one of the things that Paul typically does, so so a a first century letter would start off with addressing who's the writer, there's some type of a greeting, there's some type of a, hey, thank you for something, and then a prayer. And this letter follows that as well. Um, So verse 3 says, we give thanks Uh, And and who's who's the we? So let's go back to that. Who's the we? Paul and Timothy are the we. So they're writing this together in Colossians 1, 3. So he says, we give thanks. And what's he giving thanks for? For whose faith? The Colossians' faith. So he's giving thanks for somebody else. So does he tell them, good job for your faith? Is that what he's saying? What's he saying? He says that my thanks are going to God for what God has done in you. Which is an interesting thing. Um, Wiersbe says, I've got quotes by gobs of different people here today. So he says, we should be grateful for what God is doing in the lives of others. I know it, when, I, when I read that sentence, I thought, well, that, yes, that's true. I agree with that. And then I thought, well, how often in my prayer life do I spend thanking God for what He is doing in your lives as opposed to what He has done for the center of my universe, me? Um, and, and it is much smaller, I must confess. And, and if you read through Paul's letters, you find he spends a lot of time thanking God for other people and for what he, God is doing in other people. So it, it changed my perspective there a little bit. So, so he says, we give thanks Uh, to the God and mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? (laughs) Is that what it said? No, okay. All right, so Phillips. Somebody suggested Phillips last week. Thank you for that. I went and got Phillips. You're not even looking at me yet. He's tweeting about it, but that's awesome. Now he knows it, yes. I went and got Phillips. That was the line out of Phillips, so that was cool. Uh, So he says, Paul prayed to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, not to his mother. Um, You don't find anywhere in the Scripture where... Any saint prays to Mary, so it just doesn't feel like we ought to do that today. So, so we give thanks to God uh, and Father of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, every opportunity Paul gets in Colossians to lift up Jesus and declare some theological truth about Jesus, he does. So when he says, Lord Jesus Christ, which one of those words is not part of his name Lord is not part of his name, right? That's a title. So he is saying, if God is the Father, what kind of being does that make Jesus? It makes Jesus deity as well. So he is, he is writing to a group of people who worship all sorts of different gods. Um, I watched the movie Hercules yesterday. Anybody seen the movie Hercules? Really awful movie. It was really, it was kept, it's one of those movies you keep waiting for it to get good and it just It just never really did. But they made this really big deal about Hercules' father being a god. And that everybody just went, oh, wow, this is a really big deal. And honestly, in this time period, that was a big deal. If your father was a god, then that elevated your status because you were god then too. Um, So Paul's doing everything he can do to lift up Jesus. He says, praying always for you. So does anybody have a different translation for that praying always for you? A different word, order, or structure, or anything there? Because there's a whole lot of different ways you can come away from that. Because there's one way to look at it and say, well, Paul never did anything other than praying for the Colossians. Right? What what was it? When When we pray for you. Very good. I love the when. The when is actually not in the Greek from a word, but the when portrays the structure of the Greek. So the, the way i and I'm, again, this is not my expertise, but I can read uh, other people who it is their expertise, and they all concur that the structure here implies that whenever they gave, whenever they prayed for the Colossians, they always uh, gave thanks for them. So that it was a, those two things are connected, not that we're just sitting around praying for you all day long, every single day, whenever we breathe. Two different things there, right? So... Um, So praying always for you. So who are we praying for? Who do we pray for? Darla, what's the easy answer? Uh, Well, we're praying for everyone, all of us, the believers. But in this specific instance, we're praying for the believer of Colossians. So for us, what's the easy answer? Each us. Yeah, I'm really trying to be as tactical as I can, sorry. We pray for the prayer list. Thank you, there we go. We provide an opportunity to actually execute this every single week, right? Um, And thank you for that. I appreciate your, your work here. Now, if Paul was going to say thank you, he would say thank you God for the work you're doing in Darla's life to drive her to do that. And that's how the difference, that's what the difference looks like. Um, I keep doing this today because it's a shift in my mind from what I typically do to what, the way Paul typically does it. So the, the thanks go up, which would really ruin Hallmark, right? Because uh, you just wipe away all those thanks, uh, thank you section of the cards, but that's all right. So, so who are we praying for? So we, we have an opportunity in church to pray for different people for different things, but who are we praying for? So I want you to rattle that around in your head. So verse 4, since we heard of your, and I like to do this every once in a while. If, if the sentence stopped right there and he was writing to you, since we heard of your what, Abby? Since we heard of your what, Stephen? Like what are you known for? If, if, if Paul was saying, Michelle, what are you known for right there? kind of scary isn't it kind of scary and you go well I don't know there's a couple things that maybe you could thank God for but but what would he pick what are we known for but what they were known for was their what their faith in Christ Jesus well that's pretty awesome so the <coughs> blank the blank if you were concerned that I've skipped a blank have I skipped a blank already no. no if we stopped right here what would Paul say about us or you could put your name in there if you wanted to I have us in my notes so what are we known for? <clears throat> now, we have a tendency in, in our interpretation of Scripture to make the Scripture very me-centric. So what is it saying about me? But what's the pronoun there? We have heard of your. This is a collective, this is plural, you. So it's not really what am I known for, it's what are we known for. Um, This is an us-centric, not a me-centric text. So we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So did he say we've heard of your faith and your love? Is that what he said exactly? I left something out. In Christ Jesus. Yes, that's important because faith has to have an object. If faith doesn't have an object, then it's just hoping and wishing and you know, maybe it'll happen. No, no, no. There's a, there's an object here. We're hanging something uh, on the wall, and there's a hook there. We are able to put something on the wall. So we have Christ as the object of faith, um, and of your love. So what kind of word do you think love is there? Which one of the words for love do you think it is? The right one? Is that what you said? <coughs> it is the right one. Yes, I agree. But. Um, That's always the right answer. That was really good. Now you're going to make me... I'm going to fist bump on that one. That was good. Because he always picks the right word, doesn't he? That's cool. Uh, It's agape love, right? It's agape love. So I'm hearing of your love for... And there's a word in there that aggravates me. It's not for the saints. I'm good with for the saints. Your love for the saints, that's great. Because if it's for the saints, then I get to pick. It's that, that little three-letter word that says all. Because the all is, there is no wiggle room in that. There is no wiggle room in this. Uh, MacArthur says their love was non-selective, which I didn't even know was a word. And he may have made it up, but it, I think it hits the nail on the head. Non-selective. Who's John MacArthur? <laughs> he he, he kind of gets permission to make them up, right? That's... Yeah. <laughs> probably call Merriam-Webster. Put that one in the next time, right? Um, Jay Vernon McGee says, faith is based on the past, but love is for the present, because love is right now. Um, so their plural love and their plural faith. So these things are both collectively done together. So of your love for all the saints, because of, what's it say next? So, I had two different answers here, and I'm going to poke at both of them, all right? You said exactly hope, and you said exactly the hope. Mine's actually confident hope. Confident hope. There's an article in there, and, and the is actually important because this is very, very specific. This is not a concept, this is a very specific hope. Because of the hope, or expectation, or confidence, which is what? Which is laid up. So there's hope, but which one of these came first in the text? The faith, the hope, or the love? Faith. Which one comes first in the order that he's describing them? Which one? Yes. Hope is first. Hope is first, and it produces faith, which results in love. Okay, so that's the order. So the best quote I heard on this was Ray Stedman uh, he said, the important thing is to notice that hope produces faith, and faith in turn grows into love. Hope is the root, faith is the plant, and love is the fruit. I thought, that was really helpful visual there. That, how about we put that on the wall of a kid's Sunday school classroom, right? So that was, that was very helpful for me. Uh, now, w- what are we hoping in? <clears throat> what are we hoping in? Because I am going swimming with my family this afternoon, and I hope that I don't get sunburned. Because that's annoying, right? But that is not a confident <laughs> truth that I can hang my hat on. What do we hope in? We hope it in Christ, right? Specifically here, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. There is something, and what's the tense on the which? is, right now, right now, it is laid up for us in heaven. There is something that is real that I am hoping in, not something that I am, well, maybe it'll turn out. Maybe Jesus will keep his word. No, he's already kept his word. He's already kept it. So we can have confidence and hope in that, which produces faith, which produces love, and love is what we can see. Now, uh, this faith and hope and love triad shows up. Did I put this in your, in your notes, this big long string of uh, passages? Mm-hmm. Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 13, Galatians 5. I didn't know that it showed up that many different places. I, you know, you read through the Bible and you see, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember reading that. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that. That's over here somewhere and that's over there somewhere. I've never seen them all listed out, but there's a lot of different places where these three concepts are tied together, um, which was helpful for me because when you see something repeated, so it's... Colossians, and then Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, twice in Ephesians, twice in Thessalonians, twice in Hebrews, twice in 1 Peter. So that's 12 times in the New Testament. Well, that feels like a lot, right? Would you say 12 times? The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to communicate this through a variety of writers 12 different times in the New Testament. Good. So right now, which is laid up? Does anybody have a different translation for the word laid up? That's good. Stored. I like that one. There it is. Cool. What translation do you have? New Living Translation. (laughs) Rarely do I say, yay, New Living Translation, but yay, New Living Translation. (laughs) Um, So which is reserved? So so what do we do reservations for? To hold your spot for meals, right? We do it for (laughs) meals sometimes. For what kind of a restaurant? You call McDonald's up and like, hey, I want to make a reservation at 12:45, right? Now, where do you make a reservation, Doug? Ruth at Ruth's Chris, right? Because, because, there's, there's just, yeah, you don't want to miss that, right? You want to make sure you've got a seat at that time at that spot. What else do you make reservations for? Hotels. Anybody going on vacation this summer? Anybody already made your hotel reservation? I have, and I'm excited but But, I have a piece of paper that I have printed off that 's got our reservation information on it, so when I show up, I have confidence that we have paid, and you should have a room for us, right and I have evidence I have evidence of my reservation, and that to me is what the scripture is it 's evidence that we can use to know that our faith is grounded in something that is real of our future reservation and and it is, it's, it's just a great word. I love that reservation word. So, this hope which is reserved for you in heaven. So, in heaven. <clears throat> of which you have heard before the word, or the logos, of the truth of the gospel. So, um, the, the word of the truth of the gospel. So, what's the best gift that you have ever gotten? Like the best gift that you have ever, like physical present, like under the tree, or for your birthday, or for whatever's the best gift. I'm going to spend a minute just talking through this. Best gift you've ever gotten? Abu Garcia, Veritas 2.0, medium, rod. What's that again now? Abu Garcia, Veritas 2.0, medium weight, rod. So this is a fishing device? Yes. A, okay, good. I was, like, there was, I was like, there was one word in there that I knew, rod. I was like, I know he likes to fish. I think that we're doing this. So it feels like we're good. Excellent. Is that what I said? Yes. Wow. That was, that was really nerdy, wasn't it? <laughs> that, so, the color of my legs alone should tell you how often I go fishing, right? That's, uh, that's, y'all better pray I don't get sunburned today. Um, all right, so what else? Uh, another best present you've ever gotten? Yes, Dave? A uh, Ferrari experience. My wife and me trip out to Las Vegas to drive. A Ferrari? So, you got to drive a Ferrari? Oh, yeah. How fast yeah, you get to I'm go in the Ferrari? The how fast you get to go in it? 120. Uh, take the <laughs> way it <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome. Best gift ever. Yeah, be Best gift ever. Mitch, what yeah, you do you got? You don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Good job. Mitch, you say, my wife, every day. Yeah. I was like, this is easy, bud. We're playing T ball right now physical present that you've ever gotten, best present you've ever gotten. Miss Beth? It's really, really corny, but it fit the need so much that I adore it. It's my favorite kitchen gadget. It's a cherry pitter, olive pitter. When Josh got me that, I thought I was going to lose it. <laughs> 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 it totally fit the need of what That's I That's awesome. I cool. listen. <laughs> That's cool. You listen, okay. So, so it reflected a lot more, right? It reflected a lot more. It's good. It's good. Best present ever. Your off. Yeah, because Trish went around and she was she was asking our friend Chad. He's like, what what tools does Sean borrow the most? Like, that's a you good know? way to find a present, right? Yeah, what he <laughs> really needs is a saw. He's like, you know, he's got the drill, he's got the nail gun, he's yeah, got whatever. He really needs a saw. Well, she went around and coordinated that. That's pretty cool. cool. <laughs> Best present ever. Yes. just to get a Tim Tebow t-shirt I probably got the Tim Tebow t-shirt. Your Tim Tebow t-shirt. And awesome. I was really excited. Fantastic. Yes, Ms. Sharon. My uh, son made me a yard swing. Oh, that's cool. Like made you one. Wow. That's pretty cool. For Mother's Day. 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 <laughs> Used a Sawzall? That's cool. All right, so... So I need y'all to help me for a second. So if you if you told me just now in conversation what your favorite gift was, could you stand up for me for just a second? I'm not going to have you do anything. I just want to I want to I want to illustrate something to you. So I'm going to see if I can get them right. So fishing device, (laughs) Uh, elitist kitchen tool. Yes, right. Sorry, that was awful, wasn't it? You know I love you. No, it's okay. I don't care. Ferrari experience, Sawzall, Tim Tebow t-shirt, and swing that your son made. Okay? So I want to do something. We're just going to shift the gifts just for a second. Okay? So you are going to get a fishing rod. You are going to get a swing. You are going to get a Tim Tebow t-shirt. You are going to get a Sawzall. (laughs) You are going to get a Ferrari experience, and you are going to get <laughs> the pitter, right? Now, so, so, so let's think about this for a second. Are you happy with the fishing rod, as happy with the fishing rod as you were with the swing? No. Why? Because I like the swing. Because you like the swing, right? What about the swing? You got the swing and not the Tebow t-shirt that you waited years for. Swing's nice, but like, you talked about the t-shirt. Yeah. Tim Tebow t-shirt. I can't build things with a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I can't build things with a t-shirt. That's great. Now, they would probably actually... Sawzall's not too bad, but... Yeah, but I'll put with the other two that I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. But the Ferrari experience was way higher, right? Okay. And Ferrari experience... I mean, I would love that. Would <laughs> awesome. I was... I was really hoping, I was really hoping there'd be somebody to be like, yeah, actually, that'd be really cool. I, I, like, I like his. But now, here's the one I really want to hear about. What, so, describe it again exactly what, because I. Sure. So it's, it's a cherry pitter. You put the cherry, it's a handheld, and you okay. put it in there, and it spits the, the pit out so you can eat the cherry or the olive. It's actually an olive pitter, but I use it for cherry. You have from a pitter to pit stops. Oh, that was pitiful. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. So you've got a cherry pitter. How do you feel about your cherry pitter? Be honest. It, it does the same job as a pocket knife does. So you don't need a cherry pitter. Not really. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so what is the one gift? What is the one gift that is the greatest gift that we have all gotten? Jesus. Right. It's, it's the gospel, right? The, the idea that, that I can have a relationship with my God forever. It is the only gift that is the greatest gift for everybody. And probably, hopefully, I think, yeah, all six of you would say this, that you'd rather have the gospel than any of those things that you described, right? you all can have a seat. Thank you. So if you're going to get something for somebody that you know that they will love forever, the gospel, right? So what's the text say? Of what you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. If you were to give a gift that would be suitable for the whole world, what would you give? Only the gospel, with its gift of eternal life, was available, was suitable for the whole world. Verse 6, which has come near or at hand to you, as it is also in the world. Now, this is an interesting word, this world. Anybody have a different word than the word world in your text? I'm not expecting you to have a different word, so if you do, that'd be kind of interesting to see. In the whole world, right? Okay. Uh, The commentators are really torn up on this one. Uh, About half of them think that they were talking about the Roman world, and about half of them think they were talking about the whole world. Another subdivision of each of those think that it was hyperbole, and it was just, oh, the gospel's gone out into the whole world. And some of them think that it was actually literally real. Uh, The interesting... The the most interesting was Clark here. He says, The doctrine of the gospel is represented as a traveler whose object it is to visit the whole habitable earth and having commenced his journey in Judea and having proceeded through Syria and through different parts of Asia Minor and had lately arrived even at their city, everywhere proclaiming glad tidings of great joy to all people. So rapid is this traveler in his course that he had already gone nearly through the whole of the countries under the Roman dominion and will travel on till he has proclaimed his message to every people and kindred and nation and tongue thought that was pretty cool. that This traveler idea that the gospel is going to complete its circuit. It's going to complete its mission. And is, which is present tense, set your next blank, is bringing forth fruit. <clears throat> so Paul's writing to him, and he says, this is, right now, bringing forth fruit. So uh, my dad... Uh, taught us to plant things when I was very young, uh, and I never really had a knack for it. I, I was really good at killing things. Um, fortunately, I married a woman who does the same. Uh, uh, we, we've, we've had, uh, Hibs has la- lasted longer than anything in our house, right? Yeah, Hibs is a durable plant. Um, what kind of plant is it? Plastic? <laughs> plastic. <laughs> no, it's not Plastic. It's a peace lily, yes. When my grandfather died, what, three, four years ago, three years ago? Three, three years ago this last week. And uh, when he died, one of the plants that we took uh, away from the funeral was this peace lily. And we named it because we, we felt like if we named it, we might give it more attention and uh, <laughs> survive, and that would be good, and to remember him by. Uh, his full legal name was uh, Henry H. Fleming, Jr. His father's name... Actually, his full legal name was Henry Hibbs uh, Fleming Jr. His name was abbreviated on my dad's birth certificate to Henry H. Fleming III, and I'm Henry H. Fleming IV, and Caleb is Caleb. It's uh, my son. Yes, we, we ended it there, right? No Henry VIII. Caleb just convinced that he's going to name his son Henry the Sixth or Fifth or something. So, and Which you can. I looked it up. You can name your kids whatever number you want, so you don't have to keep it going. It can be awkward like that. I'm trying to convince him that he shouldn't, but nonetheless, back to the peace lily. So we, we bring this thing home, and you know we're caring, it, we're caring for it, we're caring for it, we're caring for it, we're caring for it, and it survives. And we're like, this plant is making it, this is good. Uh, and we actually got a smaller one, and we put it in the living room, didn't we? Is there a smaller version in the living room? Was it, was it off of that plant, or was it a different plant? It was a different plant. Well, one of the things that, that I love about this uh, peace lily is that it kind of represents finally, after 10 plus years of marriage, something that is still alive, that we have really cared about. And we put money into nicer plants and try to figure out where they should go in the house and this one needs shade or this one needs sun and whatever, yeah, I don't know how that works, but sure. Um, but I was looking for something that would work. And Weersby has this beautiful quote about uh, the gospel. He says, the word of God is the only seed that can be planted anywhere in the world and it will bear fruit. Isn't that neat? And there's a, there's a hope and a confidence in that in that even if I botch the delivery, it's not on me, right? I'm like, yes, good. Right? If you're distracted by my shiny white legs today, it's not on me, right? The gospel is not going to come back void the gospel will bear fruit. And, and that's what Paul is saying here. It is currently right now bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew it or became fully acquainted with it or perceived it, the grace of God in truth, uh, just as you also learned from... And then there's this guy named Epaphras. But we all have a from somebody story, right? Because somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody said... Jesus lived, and he loved, and he died, and he rose again for you. So, who's your epaphras? So maybe thank God, thank God for them and working in their lives. Today is a lot about thankfulness in my mind because these are the things that Paul is being thankful for. So we all have an epaphras. So praise God for your epaphras. Anybody know what his name means? Okay. Faithful one? It is not, no. Okay. It is not. Anybody else? Lovely. His name means lovely. How would you like to be a guy and your name is lovely? Feels a little weak, but but it works, right? Because this was a lovely minister of the gospel. Uh, He's mentioned here, he's mentioned in Colossians 4.12, and he's mentioned in Philemon. And that's it. Uh, He calls him his beloved fellow servant or co-slave. Literally, it's a uh, codulos, uh, that word that Paul uses to describe himself sometimes, which, which is astonishing to me because Paul says, he's my fellow servant. It feels like Paul is stooping quite a bit here because when you think about the order of importance of people in the New Testament, there's Jesus, right? And then on like page 46, when the next person shows up, it's probably going to be Paul. Paul, right? And Paul says, a fellow servant with me co-laborer with me, which I think is beautiful, because, you know, you guys have heard the quote, because ground is lovely with the cross, right? You know, there's nobody there's better, better, better than anybody yes. else. Um, um, because because he calls me for What's your word? What's your, what's your word? Minister, you may know, have a different have word. word. What's that? Deacon, that? yeah, it's the word deacon. Is. It's absolutely what it is. The blank is waiter, because that's what a deacon was. A deacon was a waiter, somebody who attended to the needs of somebody else which is literally what the deacons in the book of Acts did. They went and took care of other people, uh, mostly for food. So he is a minister of Christ on your behalf or for you. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase Calvin's commentary on this. He says, just as Satan accuses whenever possible, so Paul uplifts whenever possible, and so should we. So he is he's talking positively about Epaphras here, and then we get to verse 8. I think it's a bit ironic that anybody know what today's date is in the church calendar? Really? Not one person? How many weeks ago was Easter, Dave? Today's what? Today's Pentecost. That's right. So you would think that today's Sunday school lesson would be about the Holy Spirit. This is the, the funny thing is this is the only time in the book of Colossians that the Holy Spirit is mentioned. It's in verse 8. Who has also declared or uh, signified to us your agape love in the Spirit. And that's it. So Paul is thankful to God for these things in the Colossians' lives. So you say, well, Jim, what's the point? Well, good. I'm glad you asked the question. So Paul, arguably the greatest Christian who ever lived, gave thanks for others. So what do I do with that? Well, I should give thanks to, for others, Right? Um Philip says in number two on the application, Christian hope is embedded in eternal truth. It's embedded in eternal truth. It's not embedded in, in eternal wishes or eternal hope It's embedded in eternal truth. So know the truth. Hey, Jim, uh I Yes? think of your reservation. You know, you called up at a certain point. It's so, like, hey, I want to make a reservation. What if you called up and the person said, oh, we were expecting your call. This reservation has been here for eternity. Oh, that's cool. We're just waiting for <laughs> That would freak me out, but it would be really awesome, too, yeah, right? <laughs> which, which it kind of does with the gospel once you start to wrap your head around that, right? That we were established in Christ before the foundations of the world. I mean, how do you figure that out? I mean, that just that messes with your head in a great way. The depth and the breadth of his love for us is it's amazing. So number three, faith must have an object. So I don't know that I've ever used this as a blank before, but use Jesus. Don't just have faith in faith. That's wishy. That's marshmallow faith, right? Uh, number four, love is a witness. Love is a witness because Paul saw it. It was visible. So number four down at the bottom on personalized love all the saints. That word. You think. That, that's just that's a hard word. Uh, I love the I love the, the idea. I love the potential. I love the possibility. I love the concept, but the doing. <laughs> The doing of that is, that's a hard one, right? And then what's the point? The gospel brings forth fruit. So personalized number five, examine my life for fruit. Yeah, take a look. Is it there? So next week we start, uh, we continue this chapter. We'll be in verses 9 through 18. And then I found a... uh, uh, one of the commentaries, Grimaki's commentary on Philippians and Colossians, he had several questions that I thought were really, really good at the very bottom of the handout. So you can soak on those this week as well. So that's week two of Colossians. Uh, we'll probably be somewhere around 17 to 20 weeks. I hadn't mapped it all out yet. I'm, I've been debating a couple whether we do one week or two weeks on certain passages. So we'll just kind of see how it goes. But uh, we'll be here for a while. So if you take off for another three months, we'll be back in Colossians when you're, when you're back. You're not good. I'm glad to hear that. Alright, so uh, as I mentioned in the middle of the lesson, there's a prayer request page in the middle of your table. So if you'll lean in, engage with that, write down uh, those prayer requests. There's a couple different sections on those, and I want to point these out real quick. So there's a new prayer request and new ongoing prayer requests. So if you want your prayer request to be included in the list that is printed next week, put it in the ongoing section. And if you've already written it down, it's in the wrong point. Just draw an arrow and we can get through that. Uh, But if you just want it for just this week, put it in the new section at the top. So, just a FYI on uh, prayer request cadences, how that works. So, thanks for coming to Sunday school this morning. I hope you're enjoying Colossians. I am, and that's the lesson for today.